0: With Election Day coming and political passions rising, it's important for conservatives to try to understand the arguments of the opposition so that we don't start to believe that Democrats are mentally stunted, vicious-hearted, know-nothings who've sold what ragged threads were left of their putrid souls for the slightest taste of power, regardless of what destruction they wreak not only on our freedoms, norms, and traditions, but on the simple decency It keeps us from wrapping our hands around their tattooed throats and throttling them until the moronic eyes and their ugly masked faces bulge like the red hot pockets of righteous anger in our hearts, inspired by even the sight of their studded eyebrows and spiked noses. that, That would be entirely unfair since some Democrats don't even have tattoos. So let's pause for a moment and take a closer look at what they're trying to tell us in their childlike idiotic fashion. Leftists believe that Donald Trump is an existential threat to the Constitution they're trying to utterly destroy. This creates a danger to the democracy they don't believe in and threatens to undermine the very foundation of the country they detest. They feel that Trump must be voted out of office before this racist, sexist, greedy, violent nation is damaged beyond repair. Leftists believe the deplorable, fascist, hate-filled dirtbags who turned up in their tens of millions to vote for Trump must be crushed so that we can give power to the people As represented by the unelected bureaucrats of the deep state, leftists believe that the rich are destroying this country with their grasping after wealth, and that socialism will make everything fair, and that's why it gets so much support from people like Jeff Bezos, George Soros, and Jack Dorsey. All in all, leftists believe in tolerance, and anyone who does not agree with them must not be tolerated. I hope this brief summary has helped you better understand what leftists believe so you can take a reasonable, fact-based approach to the seething hatred they so richly deserve. Trigger point, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky Life is tickety-boo Birds are winging, also singing Hunky-dunky-dee-doo ship shaped dipsy topsy The world is a-biddy-zing It's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray It makes me want to sing Oh, hoorah, hooray, hooray. Oh, ride. All right, we are back after the Clavenless weekend. For those of you who survive, we will be laughing our way through the fall of the public right up to Election Day. Go on. YouTube, the Andrew Clavin YouTube channel is what you want to subscribe to. You want to press that bell uh, so you'll be notified of content. I will actually come to your door with my entourage, several women and, you know, drugs, and will deliver <laughs> my content directly to you. Leave a comment. And if your comment is sufficiently ignorant uh, and hostile, we will include it in the show as fitting because it'll fit right in. Uh, today, Garrison Barolet says, there are no ease in come on, man, coincidence, I think not that, you know, how many uh, old people who don't know where they are and want to steal all your money, are there? Uh, In the years leading up to the Civil War, a bankrupt San Francisco businessman named Joshua Abraham Norton declared himself emperor of the United States. He would walk around the city wearing a blue uniform with golden epaulets and a beaver hat, inspecting the streets and making philosophical declarations. Citizens humored his lunacy by celebrating his imperial decrees and occasionally even accepting the fake money he would issue. At one point, the city voted to buy him a new imperial uniform. It seems the Emperor Norton has been reincarnated in the person of California Governor Gavin Newsom. The Emperor Gavin has issued a series of imperial decrees telling his subjects how they can and cannot celebrate Thanksgiving this year. All Thanksgiving gatherings must be held outside, the new Norton says. Attendees may, by his royal pleasure, go indoors to use the bathroom if the bathroom is sufficiently sanitized. Guests may remove their masks to eat and drink as long as they put them right back on again. Singing is discouraged. And no, I'm not making this up. Now, it would be just barely possible to think this evil little fascist was acting in a good faith, although imbecilic effort, to stop the spread of the Chinese flu if leftists like him did not so clearly despise normal American life so very much. Marriage is oppressive to them. Patriotism is offensive to them. The fact that that girls like dolls and boys like trucks is a great blow to their sense of justice. The fact that boys and girls primarily like each other is a slap in the face to their tolerant and loving acceptance of every form of psychopathology and deviance. The hatred of normalcy is obviously a form of self-hatred. It's based on the idea that the ordinary lives and pleasures of ordinary, decent men and women are somehow an accusation against them, and the secret fear that that accusation may have the truth on its side. Burn down the world, and there'll be no one left to accuse you. Normal Americans, in their Christian tolerance, have been humoring these Emperor Nortons in our schools and entertainments and even our government for a long time. But if Democrats sweep this election... Norton's will control every institution in America, from the academy to the entertainment industry to the Senate, the House, and the White House. At that point, their oppressive lunacy will not be all that humorous anymore. You know, here in California, we live in our cars and our cars are of great status symbols and make us feel important, make us feel like dynamic. And so when your car breaks down, you can really feel kind of of a little bit weak, a little bit out of it, you know, you can solve that problem right away. All you got to do is say rockauto.com. Now, you got to say it like that. You can't just say rockana.com because then, you know, that makes you sound bad. But if you say rockauto.com, not only do you feel better, but you can get a part for your car and make it work again. rockauto.com gives you an entire parts store in your computer. You don't have to get into your car, which isn't running, and pretend to drive down to an actual parts store and have some other guy look in his computer to find out the parts you need, you can do it right at home and rockauto.com, or as we like to call it, rockauto.com, always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write clavin in there. How did you hear about it? box so they know we sent you. And you got to say it like that. You say, Clavin. Yeah, I yeah. know. But also, you know, so you don't look like an idiot when you do that. You have to know how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no <laughs> <babies>. <laughs> I was going to say that. Now, I want to start with this amazing clip of Chelsea Handler uh, she's this obviously this comedian who is famous for her dysfunctional sex life and boozing, uh, so she thinks she should have something to say to the rest of us for some reason. And one of the many people she used to sleep with was the rapper 50 Cent, and 50 Cent recently said he would vote for Trump. Because Biden would raise his taxes so much he would soon be 20 cent. Uh, and here she is with poor Jimmy Fallon, who has been browbeat into being uh, an anti-Trumper because no late night comedians are allowed to have any opinions, but the opinions that are the opinions of the corporations they work for and basically the elite. So this is Jimmy Fallon interviewing Chelsea Handler, Jimmy trying to save his skin and Chelsea telling us how she addressed uh, 50 cent, her old boyfriend. This is cut six.
1: You heard about my ex boyfriend, right? 50 Cent and his support of, of, of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, How what's going on between him? you? I, I saw your tweets and I go, wait, what's happening? Because you said he was your favorite ex boyfriend. And then he, what does he do? Supporting Trump? He says he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes, which, by the way, isn't a plan of Joe Biden's. That's, that's, that's a lie. So he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes because he doesn't want to go from being 50 Cent to 20 Cent. And I and I had to remind him that he was a black person, so he can't vote for Donald Trump and that he shouldn't be influencing an entire swath of people who may listen to him because he's worried about his own personal pocketbook. So I haven't heard back from him yet, but I I am willing to, you know, seal the deal in more ways than one. If he changes his mind and publicly denounces Donald Trump, I might be willing to go for another spin if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs)
0: So this white woman is going to explain to a black man how he can be a black man and reward him with her precious white body if he does what he says. She says, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, obviously a white woman's body is so valuable uh, that a black man should do whatever she tells him to do and vote the way she knows and only she knows a black man should vote. (laughs) So I'm watching this, and I don't do race, you know, usually, but they're doing it, so I got to talk about what they're doing. Now, the other thing I almost never do is I almost never read anything to the New York Times. I look at the Times every morning, but in fact, the Times has become useless as a source of information because it's basically just this kind of spewing of hatred, and everything is skewed. But today, they have a really interesting story called The Two Americas Financing the Trump and Biden Campaigns. Let me read you just a little bit from the New York Times, a former newspaper. Joe Biden has outraised President Trump on the strength of some of the wealthiest and most educated zip codes in the United States, running up the fundraising score in cities and suburbs so resoundingly that he collected more money than Mr. Trump on all but two days in the last two months, according to a New York Times analysis of $1.8 billion donated by 7.6 million people since April. The data reveals for the first time... Not only when Mr. Biden decisively overtook Mr. Trump in the money race, it happened the day Senator Kamala Harris joined the ticket, but also what corners of the country geographically and demographically powered this remarkable surge. The findings paint a portrait of two candidates who are in many ways financing their campaigns from two different Americas. It's not just that much of Mr. Biden's strongest support comes overwhelmingly from the two coasts, which it does, or that Mr. Trump's financial base is in Texas, which it is, it is that across the country down to the zip code level, some of the same cleavages that are driving the 2020 election along class and education lines are also fundamentally reshaping how the two parties pay for their campaigns. For years, affluent and college-educated voters, mostly white, had been the base of the Republican Party. Exit polls showed Republicans winning college graduates nationally from 1988 to 2004 and again in 2012. Voters who earned at least $100,000 have historically sided with most Republican presidential candidates by comfortable margins too. But under Mr. Trump, Republicans have hammered support from white voters with college degrees, who polls show have been repelled I love this, by his embrace of a politics of cultural division and (laughs) racial grievance. These are the publishers of the 1619 baloney. They're talking about cultural division and racial grievance. They don't see that. You know, I love love it. They don't see their own cultural division and racial grievance. It's all on the other side. So (laughs) that's all. That's all those Trump. Trump voters didn't publish that stuff. So this is Charles Murray stuff, right? Charles Murray says that rich white people essentially live like it's 1950. They get married, they have children in wedlock, they work hard, some of them go to church, they make sure that their children work hard and get into good schools. And then, says Murray, They do not preach what they practice. They tell other people, as Chelsea Handler instructs 50 Cent, they tell minorities, they tell lower class people, you don't have to do this stuff. It's, I tolerate. I'm so tolerant. I'm so loving. I'm so, it's so great of me that I, I will give you advice that will make sure that your children never compete with my children, that your children don't rise up. And so now they're left with this elite, this elite, uh, Media, this elite academy, this elite Hollywood, lecturing like Chelsea Handler, lecturing people of other colors. This is an elite whites, educated whites of other colors and of other uh, classes and of other and less education, lecturing on them on what they think. And that's where you get here's like Joe Scarborough talking to Trump supporters. Joe Scarborough t- telling uh, Trump voters what he thinks of them. Cut ten.
1: It's really remarkable that you are thinking about voting for that man. Really, it's it's staggering. You, you, you get information from Facebook that says that Anthony Fauci's in some secret cabal that's going to make billions of dollars on a vaccine. That's just a lie. You can't be that stupid. You say it's no worse than the flu. It's just like, no. Donald Trump himself in February, it's on tape, so please, Get off your stupid QAnon sites. Get off your stupid Facebook sites. Turn your head away from whatever TV station's telling you this is just like the flu. And they know the guy they're supporting is a liar. And they know that he is putting Americans' health at risk every day, Rev. And yet they vote for him anyway.
0: You are stupid, America, because the elites are voting For the Democrats, the white educated elites are voting for the Democrats. Now, what does this tell you? What does this tell you that the it's the white elites who live by American norms and who celebrate American traditions, who are abandoning those norms and traditions in theory. They're not abandoning them in fact because then your life doesn't go very well. They're abandoning them in theory to show you just how open-minded and broad-minded and and thoughtful they are uh, and tolerant they are. They are well willing to tolerate your failure and your dismissal. Because remember, remember when Trump took office, the middle of this country, the people who voted for Trump were killing themselves in droves with opiates. They were destroying themselves and no one knew. Why? Because they don't cover those people. They fly over them. No one knew. The life expectancy of this country was going down because people were committing suicide because the global elite was taking jobs away from them and giving them to slaves in China. So they are material could be less expensive. That's what was happening. They <laughs> don't understand why did they vote for Trump? Because they're stupid. They're stupid. You didn't what you didn't like killing yourself with opiates. You didn't like not having a job. You didn't like Chinese. Guys? You know, think how <laughs> think how inexpensive your iPhone was. What are you a fool, says Joe Scarborough. Obama's saying the same thing. Obama. Th- here's Obama on the campaign trail with like 130 people listening to him going out and telling people how dumb Donald Trump is, what, how awful that they could like Donald Trump. let cut 13. We won't have a president who threatens people with jail for just criticizing him. That's not normal behavior, Florida. You wouldn't tolerate it from a coworker. You wouldn't tolerate it from a high school principal. You wouldn't tolerate it from a coach. Florida man wouldn't even do this stuff. Why are we accepting it from the president of the United States? So you're Florida men. you know, that's Florida men is the old joke. This is the stupidest guy in America. The guy that does the craziest, stupidest thing. That's Donald Trump. And by extension, it's you if you vote for Donald Trump, because Obama, the king of globalism, the king of the elite, you know, selling through basically hiding behind his his race as one of the peeps, one of the people saying that, you know, it's the police's fault when a criminal gets killed, you know, telling you that your neighbor, your neighborhoods, you know, he's, he's explaining the same thing Chelsea Handler's doing. He's telling you what you should think if your if your life is not as good as his life. It's really, it really is stunning. It is stunning. And the, the thing that was really telling to me in that New York Times piece was that the contributions from rich, educated white people skyrocketed when Kamala Harris was appointed. You know, there's this great ad going around uh, about Halloween. I'm going to play it and then I'll describe it to you in case you're listening and you're not watching. But let's just play the ad. It's cut to 22.
1: <laughs> what do we have here? Oh, spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> Creepy. Vehicle Joe. Oh, it's funny. It's Joe. <clears throat> Come on, man! Candy's for the kids. Well, maybe he forgot. Wait a minute. You you look familiar. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna let her get away with this?
0: she took everything. So the kids come to trick or treat. One of them's a grown up in a Joe Biden mask, rips off his mask and it's Kamala. And she steals all the candy. And the, the line is know who you're voting for. But the rich, the white, the educated, they know who they're voting for because they know. I mean, so I've said this a million times was worth saying. Socialism stops the graded inequality of capitalism, where there's steps up to the to the highest level from the lowest level to the highest level there are steps and gradations and it simply divides the country into those with power and those without who are the people with power that the people who have jobs that the people who can do their jobs from home that the people who aren't being hurt by this uh, shutdown over coronavirus so they're voting for these radicals nora o'donnell of all people i mean she kind of did an un i won't say it was a fair interview but at least she confronted kamala harris with her voting record let's uh, hear cut one
1: you're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past.
0: You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But <laughs> yeah, Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal
1: senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies those progressive policies that you supported as senator into a
0: Biden administration?
1: What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do. This was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue.
0: All right. Her lived experience. Now, you know what that is. That's code for the fact that she's black and female, which is her big pitch. Here is Nora asking her whether she's a socialist. Cut 19.
1: I promised, Joe, that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of of a woman who grew up a a, a black child in America who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of
0: 19 from india who also you know likes (laughs) hip-hop what do you want to know what your policies are whether you're a socialist that's what i want to know just but just amazing again identity politics is a scam identity politics is a scam for marxism it's a mask like the halloween story it's like the halloween ad it's a mask for socialism and the socialism looks good to the rich people. It's why it's why Jeff Bezos' Amazon sends me ads for, you know, white fragility. It's why Facebook and Twitter run by gazillionaires are silencing the New York Post, especially now that the New York Post, uh, uh, the people's newspaper, I- endorsed Donald Trump. They endorsed Donald Trump saying he made an economy for working class people. So, of course, the billionaire Jack Dorsey will not let them on Twitter because he does not want you to hear that because he's rich. And socialism is great for the powerful. It is great for the powerful. I always wonder why people like AOC don't even think about that. Why, why are all these rich people supporting me? So, you know, Biden, they say that Biden is caught uh, between the left and the center. But just like Kamala Harris, it's just, a, it's just, he is wearing a mask. He's wearing the mask of a centrist because he is always blown with the political winds. And you know, it's creating a real problem with him in terms of honesty. I mean, this guy, to me, he's always been stupid. But now he's deteriorating. He's always been dishonest, but now with all this video, it's, it's really shocking how dishonest he is. And it's because he's caught between the elites who are powering his campaign to the left. That's what's happening: the elites who are powering his campaign to the left, and the working class who remember, you know, Lunchbox Joe from the old days, which is just because he always tacked to where the party was going because he's a, we- a weather vane. Here he is talking in one of his completely unattended uh, <laughs> you know, uh, rallies about fracking because he was caught during the last debate saying he would get rid of the of fracking. So here he is in Pennsylvania where fracking is a big deal. It's over over half a million jobs at least. I think it's close to 600,000 saying, oh no, I'm never going to touch fr- fracking, cut seven.
1: Look, let me be clear also. I'm not banning fracking in Pennsylvania or anywhere else. And I can project Protect Pennsylvania jobs, period. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies, he's never delivered on his promise for a big infrastructure plan. He told you in 17, I've got an infrastructure plan coming. And then 18, 19, and 20, he had not done a
0: thing. So Donald Trump lies. He just said, I'm not banning fracking in Pennsylvania or anywhere else. Now, remember the the debate where he said, oh, if you've got video of me saying I'll ban fracking, bring it on. Well, Trump has now got this ad coming on when he <laughs> includes that place. That point is cut uh, eight.
1: I to have never said I oppose fracking. You said it I, on the tape. I did. Show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put, put it on. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping pipeline infrastructure? and No, no fracking. No. you got to transition away from it. Brooke, you're going to ban fracking all across America right now, right? I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to, too. I'd love to make sure we don't can't use any oil or gas, Just period. The look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. We are going to end fossil fuel.
0: You know, it's funny. Bernie did this to him. I mean, just just on the issue of his dishonesty, the issue with his dishonesty, which is that he's now caught between the far left, who who he is going to have to serve if he gets elected. I mean, he'll probably have to resign because he can't possibly uh, be president of the United States with his mind going the way it is. But if, if he does stay in office, he will be serving the far left. And he has to keep lying to the people that he's still the Joe that they know, the old the old Joe. Do we have that cut clip of, of Bernie? This was a Bernie ad, right? This is Bernie Sanders putting out an ad of Bernie challenging Biden during the debate, intercut with things that Biden said on the Senate floor.
1: Have you been on the floor of the Senate? You were in the Senate for a few years. Yeah. Time and time again, talking about the necessity with pride about cutting Social Security, cutting Medicare, cutting veterans programs. No, You never said that? No. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant social security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. Look, here's the deal. You're an honest guy. Why don't you just tell the truth here? We all make mistakes. I I am telling the truth. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice. I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. Joe, let me repeat it again. I want you (laughs) just to be straight with the american people i am saying that you have been on the floor of the senate time and time again talking about the need to cut social security medicare and veterans programs
0: unbelievable I mean, bernie's begging him to tell the truth he's be- he knows he's got the goods same thing with trump same thing with trump he knows he's got the goods this guy lies A lot. He lies all the time. And now, I mean, you've got this press, uh, corrupt press corps covering for him. It's making them I mean, they couldn't lose any more credibility. If any if any single person is watching network news or reading The New York Times or watching CNN and thinking, oh, now I have some information, you know, really, I mean, that that's elite stupidity. (laughs) That's the stupidity of people who've been to college and didn't learn very much or maybe learned all the wrong things. Uh, our favorite people, the Media Research Center, we love these guys. They have their Newsbuster site. Just before I was coming on, they sent me this clip. You know, we've got this Hunter Biden scandal coming. And again, you know, The Hunter Biden scandal so far is that Hunter Biden, it really does seem very clear that Hunter Biden and uh, James, Jimmy Biden, Biden's younger brother, were influence peddling. They were selling their influence with Joe Biden and that Joe Biden knew they were doing it. That's the scandal. It's not necessarily saying that Biden was taking money, though there's indications that he might that that uh, Hunter Biden may have been holding money for him within this Chinese deal, this deal with the Chinese. Here is the way the press, a montage, a brilliant, it's really a brilliant, it's a work of art almost. It's the montage of the way the press covered this in 2019 before this laptop was discovered with all these emails on it. This is cut 23.
1: I just want to deal in fact because there is so much speculation out there and there is zero evidence ...that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, and you, you and I have said this on the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was, you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of
0: course, want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate... And let's be clear for the viewers... There
1: is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again, because it's important... There is no, I repeat, no... There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There has been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence. Evidence. Biden, Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. It, it, nobody's ever accused <laughs> uh, it, 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 that. It, it, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did, did anything wrong. Got that. Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's there's no evidence. It's 2019. Now this laptop shows up, which has now been verified a million times. It's been verified by the government, has been verified by people in the, the emails. Here's the evidence is right in front of them now. Here's how they're covering it now. Cut 24.
1: Biden's secret emails.
0: A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were
1: found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence intelligence
0: operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part
1: of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the harmar- hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't Believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that.
0: (laughs) There's no evidence, and if there is evidence, we don't see the evidence. It's it's like Admiral Nelson when he didn't want to take orders from the signal ship, you know, from the his bosses on the signal ship. He used to raise his telescope to the, his his missing eye, and he would put the telescope to his missing eye and say, "I don't see the signal. I don't see the signal." That's the press, you know. Holman Jenkins, this uh, this columnist that I just think is great in the Wall Street Journal. He had a, just one line in a column the other day. He says, "None of us likes to think we aren't brave, but journalists." And motorcycle gang members are perhaps unique in interpreting their own slavish conformity as rugged individualism, a profession whose daily existence is such a stark contradiction to its self-image, first of all, loses any claim to respect as a profession. Soon after, it's likely to lose it's customers. So there's no evidence. We don't see the evidence. And Joe Biden, the man who says he didn't want to ban fracking, the man who says he didn't want to cut programs, the man who has lied repeatedly and has been caught lying repeatedly over and over again, just po-faced, blank faced lying with his face hanging out, now says there's no scandal here. This is him being questioned by a reporter brave enough to break out of the pack and ask a question. Cut four. Questions of controversy continues to tell you about
1: underbind your son's... uh, There is no controversy about my son. It's all a lie. It's a flat lie because the president has nothing else to run on. If you notice, while American people are talking about what's happening to their families, he has no plan. In the debate, he has no plan. Everything from the Wall Street Journal, every other major news outlet has said what he's saying is simply not true about my son. But it's, it's classic Trump. Classic Trump. And uh, because he doesn't want to talk about how he's how manufacturing has gone into recession, how our economy is in a hole, how we're approaching a, a, a bleak winter. It's estimated 200,000 more people will die of COVID. <laughs>
0: they can't see. He's telling them it's not there. Chuck Schumer's writing to the FBI saying, don't investigate this. Don't investigate this. And meanwhile, you know what else they can't see? They can't see you. They can't see the people. Byron, New York. Right. In the writing in the Washington Examiner is covering a Trump rally. And he says, I can't believe he quotes a woman saying, I can't believe there are not any news people here. She's standing in Pennsylvania among hundreds of cars and pickup trucks, idling in long parallel lines in a vast big box star park store parking lot Saturday, waiting to join the Interstate 70 Trump train. Indeed, although there were carloads of Trump supporters as far as one could see, and many more on the way from Ohio and West Virginia, and this enormous political event was happening less than two weeks before the presidential election, as far as I could tell, I was the only news person there. It was the biggest political rally no one saw. And gatherings like it have been happening for months in some of the places President Trump needs most to win if he is to be reelected. This is what's happening right now. And the you know, Rasmussen has Trump ahead in the polls right now. Meanwhile, here is uh, Joe Biden saying why he has to win this cut to
1: because who I'm running against this is the most consequential election uh in a, in a long 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 time and the character of the country in my view is literally on the ballot what kind of country we're going to be mm-hmm. four more years of george Georgia. he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh
0: trump gets elected uh we're going to be uh we're going to be in a different world George Michael is who he's talking about because that wham, man, you know, just wake me up before you go go. Just the most annoying ditty, and if Joe Biden doesn't doesn't win, wham, you're gonna. That's all you're gonna hear for four more years is wham. He's running against George. I don't. Maybe Bush. Maybe it's Washington. He's been running so long. All right. So election night. Who's going to cover it? We are. That's right. The presidential election is almost here and we have an amazing day of programming for you. Actually, we're going to keep on the air until the results come in. So we will be on the air through March. I think (laughs) it's going to just be we're never sleep. We will not sleep until this is over. Our live stream starts on Tuesday, November 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. That can't be right. Oh, yes, it is. 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, featuring special guests, live interviews, and more leading up to a very special episode of Backstage, where we will be covering the results with you in real time. And even more, you can join Daily Wire now and get 25% off with code ELECTION, so you can watch all of our election coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. When you subscribe, you get all kinds of goodies, including using the app, which is terrific. So watch the election with us at dailywire.com and get 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code election when you sign up today. It really is a, a remarkable story when you think about it, that the rich, white, educated elites are pouring money into the coffers of this brain-dead liar... And his radical vice president, who probably be running things in one way or another, or at least the radicals in his party will be running things while they live these lives, you know, they live these lives that are not radical in themselves. They put a black life, they have their kids write black lives matter on a card piece of cardboard and put it up in the windows, but that's not the way they're living. They're living married, they're living, you know, they're working hard, they're making sure their kids get educated. But you don't have to do that because you don't count. If you're taking opiates in the middle of the country and dying, eh, they don't care. And if by and if by the way, if by the way you happen to have dark skin, if you happen to be a black American and you're looking around your neighborhoods and saying, you know, when Trump was really when the Trump economy was cooking, things were going a lot better around here. You just ain't black. You know, Chelsea Handler will come and sleep with you if you will just do what she tells you to do. That's that's the ad. That's the advertisement. You can get Chelsea Handler uh, if you will just be the black person white people expect you to be. It really is. It really is quite incredible, quite incredible, incredible what our elites, what our educated White elites are telling us to believe. You know, there's a story that I haven't covered. Uh, just haven't had time with everything going on in France. Uh, and uh, a Cornell English teacher named, I, I believe his name is pronounced Laurent Dubroy. Uh, he's a Cornell English teacher. It's also somebody reads this at Cornell and he gets fired. But uh, he he wrote this piece about a murder that took place the other day in France. Uh, he's, it's called Islamism converges with cancel culture. This is in today's Wall Street Journal. Uh, and the guy's name is Samuel P. A. T. Y. I'm going to pronounce it Patty. I'm not quite sure that's right, but let's I'll, I'll say it for now. Samuel Patty wanted to teach his students a lesson about free speech. This is in France. He ended up paying. With his life, Patty, 47, a middle school teacher in a Paris suburb, announced to his civics civics class in early October that he would show some of the characters of the Prophet Muhammad that the satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo published in 2015 and that students were free to opt out of viewing the images. The images were uh, pornographic and uh, offensive to uh, Muslim people, but that was Charlie Hebdo's thing. They did this to everybody. The teacher was immediately denounced on social media in a viral video the Muslim father of one of Patty's students related a series of fabrications. He falsely claimed that his daughter attended the class on free speech, that the teacher banned all Muslim students from the room and later showed the class a photograph of a naked man as if it were a portrait of the prophet of Islam, and that his daughter had been excluded from the school in retaliation for her objections. On social media, the father posted Patty's name and the school's address and encouraged all Muslims who shared his concerns to assist him in having the rogue instructor fired. The father and his entourage repeatedly described the affair as an act of racism and Islamophobia. An 18-year-old Chechen refugee, Abdullak Anzorov, learned of the uproar from social media. He came to the middle school and bribed students to find out which teacher was Samuel Patti Ansarov followed Patti as he left the school, then beat and stabbed him to death, decapitated him, and posted an image of the teacher's severed head on Twitter. Now, you can do that as long as the severed head doesn't mention Hunter Biden. That's fine, because if he he had mentioned Hunter Biden, then no severed heads, but it's fine if not. Later that day, Anzarov was confronted by police. He attacked them with a knife and was shot and killed. Patti's murderer appears to have been linked to Syrian jihadists, but the victim was chosen by a Twitter mob. Supposedly shocked and offended, people asserted that Patti made them feel threatened because of their identity. They connected their personal experience with a larger history of oppression, eventually bordering on paranoia by comparing the present situation of French Muslims with the victims of the 1995 massacre of Muslims in Bosnia. They encouraged bearers of the victimized identity to believe themselves personally affronted by the, the alleged offenders. In essence, They demanded that Samuel Paty be canceled, and he was canceled with a vengeance. So what the author here is saying, that cancel culture and Islamist murder culture are linked. And I think that's fair. It's the idea that there are things that you may not say without being destroyed. The cancelers destroy your jobs. They destroy your reputation. They destroy your hopes of moving up in the world. The Muslims just destroy Your life Now, the New York Times originally ran this story under the headline, and I'm saying this from memory, but this is close. French police kill suspect after knife attack. That was their original headline. They have since put that down the memory hole and changed that because they got caught and humiliated. But that didn't stop them from running an article balancing both sides. You know, they were being fair. There's the teacher teaching his kids about free speech. And then there's a guy who cut his head off and they both had a point of view. A teacher his killer, and what's what's to blame? The failure of French integration. For generations, they say, public schools assimilated immigrant children into French society by instilling the nation's ideals. The beheading of a teacher has raised doubts about whether that model still works. Now, what? let's scratch our beards here for a minute. Ladies, rub your chins. And, you know, let's try and figure out what went wrong with the model of uh, assimilation that the French have been teaching all these years they quote Jean-Pierre Aubin, a former senior national education official, he said that public schools played a leading role in, quote, the cultural assimilation and political integration of immigrant children who were turned into good little French and no longer felt Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, or Polish. Other institutions that also played this role, the Catholic Church, unions, and political parties, have been weakened, leaving only the schools, he said. But the French model of assimilation teaching ran into obstacles when the immigrants were no longer European, white, or Roman Catholic. Today, about 10% of France's population is believed to be Muslim. Right around paragraph 422, we get to the problem, right? They'll get to the problem that they're having a hard time assimilating Muslims. And why are they having a hard time assimilating Muslims? Because they have nothing to assimilate them to. They have, you know, remember, unlike our de- republic, the French republic was based on uh, secular secular governance. It's not a separation of church and state. It's an intensely secular state. It is a state that is not allowed to have any kind of uh, touch with religion. So what are you basically assimilating people into? Now, th- All I'm saying, I'm not trying to attack every Muslim person. I'm simply putting forward the idea that maybe a society that was wholly and completely shaped and formed and sculpted out of Christian ideas might have a problem assimilating people who have an entirely different idea of the cosmos and an idea of the cosmos that has historically been antithetical to the Christian idea, because not all uh, ideas of the Cosmos can't be fit in and blended in with the Christian idea. The Jewish idea has very successfully been blended into the Christian West after they finally caught on to the fact that they were killing them. They finally did in America blend in with the with Christian with a country formed by Christian Protestant ideas. This is what the elites have been telling us because they love their globalism, because their globalism gives them lots of money. They're, you know, it's like it's people act on their interests. All of us, all of us do. This tolerance that they're selling comes with a lot of profit. It comes. It's, it gives them a lot of dough because it brings the world into one vast market. And all the time, the Republicans were buying into that until Donald Trump came along and said, hey, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just a sec. Your people, the American people, the people you're responsible for, the people that the president is responsible for, they're dying. Out there. And remember, the New York Times said, What a grim, that was his inauguration speech. Remember the carnage, the American carnage of rusting factories, of people out of work, of people dying in opiates. And the New York Times said, That's so grim. You're being so grim, Mr. Trump. That's so grim because it wasn't happening to them. And the same thing is true now with this shutdown, this shutdown over the Chinese flu. It's not happening to Dean Bakke. It's not happening to me. It's not happening to any elite who can make his living online. It's happening to people who deliver things, who make things with their hands, who pick up things for other people. That's who it's happening to. It's happening to the working men and women, and they don't care. And so all the elites are pouring their money into the Biden campaign because they know they'll get it back. They know they'll get it back. All right. Uh, let me stop there. I just wanted to say one thing. I want to uh, send a shout out to my friends at the Manhattan Institute and City Journal. I'm a contributing editor to City Journal. It's very hard for me to write for them. Jason Riley, uh, I, I talked about this in the air. He recently wrote about a new uh, a new documentary uh, made by Shelby Steele, one of the great scholars on race in the country. Uh, just, just as good a scholar on race and as good a writer on race as there is. And he and his filmmaker son, Eli, made a film called What Killed... Uh, Michael Brown, which was dispelling the myths that this was a racist act. And then remember, Michael Brown is the one with hands up, don't shoot, which never happened. It's the one that despite the fact that the Obama Justice Department investigated, it, they found that it was a a clean killing. And yet Ferguson uh, was burned down by riots in the wake of this. So he wrote about the fact that Amazon Prime would not run this on its video channel, which is one of the most powerful video outlets in the country. It wouldn't stream it because it wasn't keeping in keeping with the leftist orthodoxy of, let's remember, the white educated elite. So white educated elites. Rich people who run Amazon were not letting other people see this truth. Right. Because look. If if you disagree, if you're maybe maybe Chelsea Handler should call Shelby Steele and offer to sleep with him and teach him how to be black. But because he is a black man. But, but, you know, until that happens, they were just going to ban the film because of the pressure that Jason Riley's article and the Wall Street Journal backed them up. uh, um, And Jason Riley is a fellow of the Manhattan Institute and writes for City Journal all the time as well. Uh, Because of that, they. They have now backed down and Amazon, feeling pressure from their audience, has now accepted this documentary. So good on them. And this comes on the heel of Christopher Rufo, who we've had on the show, who is also writing for City Journal, also working for the Manhattan Institute uh, when he wrote about critical race theory and Donald Trump came up and started to ban that in the government. And now we're hearing in France and England, people are starting to attack the critical race theory, which is just racism. That's all it is. It is just anti-white racism. It's just hatred and foulness and has been forced on people through the government. And Donald Trump started to close it down because of what Chris was doing uh, at City Journal. So we got to give a shout out to City Journal for for the fact that they are fighting the good fight and people are listening. Uh, Wall Street Journal, which is friendly with the, the Manhattan Institute, has been backing them up on this and spreading the word. But it goes to show you that as long as there are, first of all, as long as there are some Republicans still left in government, that that we do have a voice. You know, we do. We can shout back. We can make a difference. We can pay attention to the culture. It's Donald Trump. It is Donald Trump who taught us that this is where the the. The fight is that it's in the culture. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on critical race theory. I mean, this is the kind of stuff I've been talking about for years, but Donald Trump now has the bully pulpit and can do something about it and talk about it. This is a fight we are beginning to win. It's going to take at least four more years for us to win it, but it's really could make it could make a difference. It's a very important election culturally as well as politically. I got to stop there. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show.
1: Joe Biden finally takes a stand on an issue and it might cost him the election. California Democrats attempt to cancel Thanksgiving and a white liberal celebrity tries to put a black Trump voter back in his place. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.